Good morning and welcome. We're glad that you're here. We've got a lot of folks that are away at spring break. A lot of people traveling, coming and going, and we pray that they will be safe on their travels. If you're here today and you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us. We're grateful for your presence, and our prayer is that the time that you spend with us will benefit you. It might be that you're looking for a church home. As always, we invite you to consider our work. We'd love to have you come and join hands with us. We'd love to have you help us as we try to exalt the name of Christ in this community. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. The theme of our study today, no matter what, never give up. Winston Churchill was famous for saying on one occasion, never, never give up. It's easy when life presents us with a series of challenges to throw up our hands and give up. And yet for the Christian, giving up is not an option. It is not in our vocabulary. It's not something that we even consider, but rather our intent is to forge ahead, to be strong, to be faithful, and to just, as we say, hang in there. The Apostle Paul knew a lot about adversity. He faced a lot of trials, a lot of difficult situations in life, a lot of struggles. And yet when I look at his life, one of the things that stands out to me is the fact that this guy, come what may, did not give up. We think about the resolve, his resilience, the fact that he was time and again beaten down, and yet in looking at, looking at his life, he forged ahead. And so I think when you look at the life of Paul, you see somebody who really echoed this idea, no matter what, never give up. I want to begin by looking at chapter 1 and calling attention to the depth of his struggles. Paul is going to characterize a number of difficulties that he faces in his life, not just in his letter to the church at Corinth, but in some of his other letters. But in verse 6, Paul talks about the domain of wherein he suffered. Listen to him in verse 6. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, our tribulation, which came to us in Asia. There, there's a lot of speculation as to exactly what Paul is talking about here in terms of the occasion of his suffering. I recall in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, that Paul said that he fought with beasts at Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, he talks about, or rather Luke talks about, the difficulties that he faced in the city of Ephesus with regard to Demetrius the silversmith and the uproar that was caused in that city. Whatever the case may have been, Paul here 
is talking about a tremendous burden that he faced in life. What about the degree to which he suffered? Listen, if you would, to what he says in verse 6 again. He said, We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength. Let me just pause there for a minute. When I think about the difficulties that this man faced in his life, I'm reminded of the fact that he was overwhelmed at times. And there are occasions in life when we too feel overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face in life. Life can present us with a series of challenging adversities that leave us bewildered and confused, upside down as we would say. Paul here is not just overwhelmed, but he also talks about how there was the potential for his life being overtaken. He said, we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. There were occasions in the life of the Apostle Paul as a traveling missionary and evangelist that he looked death in the eyes. There were occasions where the situation looked very bleak in his life. You can go back and you can look at some of the other great saints of God in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament. And you can read about their exploits, their difficulties, their trials, their tribulations. Were there times when they were overwhelmed like Paul? Yes. Were there times when they felt as if their life might be overtaken again? The answer is a resounding yes. So, the depth, the degree of his struggles. But then I think about the despair in his struggles. Listen again to what Paul says in verse 8. He said, we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Let me just pause there for a minute. The severity of his trials. Paul said, look, we were not just burdened beyond measure, above strength. He said, we despaired even of life. The word despair here means to be utterly at a loss, to be destitute of resources, to be, as we would say, without hope. And Paul here is talking about the severity of his difficulties. It might be the case that you have faced things in your life in which you too have been in despair and you have felt as if you were destitute of all resources, of all aid. Maybe you were thinking it is a hopeless situation. That's the picture that's painted by the Apostle Paul. I think about the severity of his trials and then the schooling of his trials. Were there some things that the Apostle Paul could learn 
from these difficulties? The answer is yes. Now listen to what he, say, listen to what he says in verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, but here's the key. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises us from the dead. What's Paul saying here? I think what he's saying is, one of the great lessons that he learned from these experiences or from this experience, that rather than relying on himself, he needed to look to whom? To God. David in the long ago said, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In Psalm 57, David said in the long ago, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. My soul trusts in you. He said, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until these calamities have passed by. David acknowledging that God was the great refuge of his soul. When difficulties, adversities, trials, tribulations come our way, David is saying, you need to look to God. You need to understand that God is a refuge for the soul. The psalmist said in Psalm 46 in the long ago, God is a refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Note that word, present. He's saying that God is there in times of crisis, yes, even in the hour of crisis. God is a present help in time of trouble. And so the severity of his trials, I have no doubt that Paul faced some very severe trials in his life. Not only can I read about the severity of his trials, but I learn about the great schooling that he had during these trials. Let me just read for you. Turn over to chapter 11 very quickly. And note for a moment or two what Paul has to say about some of the difficulties that he faced in life. And these difficulties are physical and emotional in nature. In verse 23, he said, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern. For all the churches. You talk about a guy that has literally been through the mill. Paul is a classic example. I can't begin to, to fathom the adversities that he faced in his life, and yet when I read this narration of difficulties that Paul faced in life, I'm reminded of the fact that this guy suffered immensely. And it wasn't just physical pain, but it was mental and emotional. 
And so Paul experienced a gamut of emotions. In chapter 12, we looked at chapter 12 last week when Paul discussed that thorn in the flesh that had been given unto him to buffeting. He said, lest he be exalted above measure. And as you recall, Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that this thing might depart from me. And you know what God said? My grace is sufficient for you. What was Paul saying? What was God saying? Paul, you need to depend on me. Paul learned to trust in Almighty God. There's a third thing I want to share with you. It has to do with the deliverance from all these great struggles. I want to begin by talking about his benefactor in the trials of life. Of course, his benefactor, the source of his comfort was whom? It was God, wasn't it? Listen to what he says. Back up now and look at verse 3. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, he's saying to people of all ages, that the source of all comfort is derived from God. Aren't you grateful to serve a God that's interested in you? Aren't you grateful to be able to turn to a God who has the ability to comfort your heart when no one else can? There are times in life when we experience trials and difficulties. There are occasions when our heart is literally broken. When we are shaken to our core and yet Paul's saying, look, God is the source of all comfort. Not only is He the source of comfort, but there is the sufficiency of His comfort. Listen again to what he said. I want you to look again at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. I would underline that term all there. Look at verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Again, underline that word all. God is the Father of mercies. God is the one who has the ability to comfort us in all our difficulties, in all of our trials, in all of our tribulations, in all of our adversities. Read on with me if you would. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us so our consolation also abounds through Christ. He said, If we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings with which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. Ten times in five verses... The Apostle Paul uses the word comfort. Now some translations will translate that word comfort, consolation. It's the same, same concept, same word. Think about it for a minute. Ten times Paul is using the word comfort. You think there's a message there? You think Paul is saying that God has the ability to comfort the human heart? 
unlike any other. There are people to whom we can turn in times of difficulty and trial. There are folks that we can literally lay bare our soul. But there are occasions maybe when our world has been shattered and we are hurting to the very core of our being. And there is no one to whom we can turn. There is no sense of comfort available from those with whom we deal on a daily basis. And yet, to whom do we turn? To God. And Paul here is saying that God is the Father of all mercies. He is the God of all comfort. Do you think Paul enjoyed the comfort of God? I think he did. Paul here is saying, look, God has the ability to comfort the human heart. I mentioned a moment ago, God is a great benefactor. He was Paul's benefactor in his trials. Now, not only do we read about his benefactor in trials, but also his brethren in trials. He talks about the fact that they partook of sufferings in life just as he did. Look again at verse 7. Our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation or comfort. These people were suffering too. Paul would write later in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 12, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not always easy being a child of God because our faith can come under attack. Paul faced a number of adversaries because of his faith. You can go back and read of the exploits of the apostles and you'll find out over and over again they faced trial and adversity because of their faith in God, because of their willingness to preach and teach the unsearchable riches of Christ. When Peter and John were commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Christ, their response was, we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. These people were suffering. And they were suffering just as Paul did. But I want you to know, I want you to see what they did for him. They prayed to support him. Note if you would. Down in verse 9, Paul said, We have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. If God has the ability to raise the dead, and He does, does He not have the ability to help us in times of need? The answer is yes. He said, Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that He will still deliver us. Again, acknowledging His trust in God. But Look at verse 11. You also helping together in prayer for us, Thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. These people were bowing their heads in prayer for Paul, weren't they? They were, as we would say from time to time, prayer warriors on his behalf. Sometimes we ask the question, what can we do for those who are hurting for those who are facing adversity, for those who are in the midst of some type of trial, is there anything we can do to help them? There's one thing we can always do. You know what that is? We can pray. 
I can read over and over again of the number of occasions in which the Apostle Paul talked about how he prayed for saints. He prayed for the church. He was praying for other people. And yet in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, here's what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. Brethren, pray for us. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul asking people to pray for him? We talk about Paul as this great spiritual giant, and he was. Paul was a spiritual giant. He did a lot of great things in life, but he was a human being. And he had needs and wants just like we today have needs and wants. And there were times in, in Paul's life when he needed people going to the throne of God, praying on his behalf. We have the privilege of prayer. We can go before the throne of God as a child of His. We can lay before Him our burdens. And the Bible tells us that God hears, doesn't He? Solomon said many, many years ago that the Lord delights in the prayers of the upright. Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open under their prayers. When you're hurting, God hears. When the Apostle Paul was hurting in life, he could turn to God with the understanding that God listened attentively. What a beautiful thought. The Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There are times in your life when you've been in need. There have been times in your life when you have been broken to the core and you needed God. And there were occasions when no doubt you turned to Him in prayer with the, with the expectation that He would be there to help you in that time of need. And the beauty is that we can continue to turn to Him. Why? Because He is the Father of all mercies. He is the God of all comfort. These people were praying for Paul. There's a lot of encouragement that comes to those of us within the body of Christ when we know that there are people who are praying for us. To know that our names are being lifted up before the throne of God. To know that we are lifting, that they are lifting our prayers before the sovereign creator, creator of heaven and earth. Many, many years ago, the psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. And then he asked the question, from whence comes my help? And the response is, from the Lord who made heaven, who made the heaven and the earth. Here's the point. If God had the power to create this universe, and he did, if God is a sovereign being over all things, and He is, then He has the ability, the power, to help me with what I face in life. He can comfort me. He can shelter me. He can give me a place of refuge. And there are times when we need that. I want to close by saying this. This series of lessons, the last three weeks, have been intended to encourage because there are times when we become discouraged. There are peaks and valleys in life. 
There are, as you well know, highs and lows. There are good times and there are bad times. When life is good, it's good. When it's bad, it can be really bad. What you need to understand is, no matter what, you can't give up. You can't afford to give up because there is something far better waiting for you. That something far better is described by Peter as an inheritance. He said it is incorruptible, it is undefiled, it fades not away, it's reserved in heaven for you. One day this life, this world will be a memory. We'll be in eternity. And prayerfully, we will all be together in that beautiful place that we call heaven. On one occasion, Jesus said to the disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus knew about troubled hearts. And he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for the privilege and the power of prayer. We acknowledge that there are times in life when we become discouraged, when we grow weary, we pray that we will look to you as the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. We graciously accept the comfort that we have received in days gone by, and we pray that you would comfort all today who are troubled in any way. We ask, Father, that you would bless each and every person here today. We understand that life can be filled with pain and sorrow. And we're grateful for your word and the assurances that we have in your word that you're always with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. The golden text of the Bible reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that if we'll obey the gospel, God will pardon every sin. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God because Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. You need to be willing to repent, to turn away from a life of sin. As Peter said on Pentecost Day, repent, Acts 2, 38. And then the Bible tells us that we confess His name before others, Acts 8, verse 37. We are immersed in water so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22, 16, so that we can contact the blood of Christ, which washes away all of our sins, Ephesians 1, 7. The Bible tells us that we are then added to the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It's in that sphere that we enjoy the quality of life defined as eternal, 1 John 2, 25. The Bible tells us if we're faithful unto death, we have the promise of that crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're here today, maybe your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe you got discouraged at some point in time in life and you've given up. You've gone back into the world and you realize that that's not working out for you. It's time to come home. We'd love to pray with you and for you. John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. 
Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It may be that you're struggling today and you're trying to live a faithful life, but you just need the prayers of the church. And I know that we'd be happy to pray with you and for you because that's what we do, because we're a family. So if whatever need you may have, we want to encourage you to come now as we stand and sing.